It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the NBA draft is just over 24 hours away, which means we still have a lot of time to think about 33rd overall potential picks to the Toronto Raptors. We're going to talk about some guys we have yet to talk about on the show today, including a couple Canadians like Caleb Houston and Andrew Nemhard, and we've got a, a few other interesting prospects to dig into as well with our wonderful guest Sam Ferris of Locked On NBA Big Board. You know him as Draft Dummies on Twitter, and we dig into some big picks picture philosophical stuff about the Raptors at 33 as well. That's all coming up on today's draft-heavy episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1200 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, June the 22nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps and platforms. It's much appreciated when you do that. It's free on all platforms. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe to the video version of the show, which is available each and every day, where you can look at my mug. And it's free. Why wouldn't you want to do that it's a wonderful wonderful deal please go subscribe to the channel we got nearly 2150 subs over there so let's keep on racking up the total shall we all right on today's show which is of course your first listen of the day it is a draft talk once again as the draft is just over a day away and still plenty of guys to think about at 33 for your toronto raptors hey maybe they move up too we could talk about that as well with today's wonderful guest he is from the locked on nba big board podcast he is sam ferris known as draft dummies on twitter sam how's it going man it's uh, i would imagine a quite a busy week for you thanks for slumming it with me <laughs> No, I appreciate it. It is a busy week. It's kind of a sprint to the finish here, but I enjoy it. This is why we do it pretty much year round is to get to this point. So, you know, Thursday draft night, that's basically like a holiday. It's like, you know, our Christmas. So uh, I've been looking forward to it and I'm excited today because, you know, usually when I do guest appearances, people want to talk about lottery prospects, first round guys, and rightfully so that's you know, most of the guys that are going to end up making it. But I love talking about some of the sleepers, potential second round picks. And so 
you sent me a fun slate of names today. So excited to hit on some of those guys. Yeah, for sure. We're going to the nitty gritty here. We spent last year worrying about the guys at the top of the lottery here on Locked on Raptors, and it worked out pretty darn well. So perhaps we can get similar luck here at the 33rd spot for your Toronto Raptors. We're going to dive into some specific names coming up later on in the show, but I do want to kind of just pick your brain a little bit on some general philosophy stuff with the 33rd pick, specifically as it relates to the Raptors in the position they're in right now. So last or yesterday on the podcast, I was going to say last week, it feels like last week, uh, yesterday on the podcast, uh, I did a mailbag episode and I was talking about how the Raptors at 33, I would prefer to see them try to get maybe a bit more of a seasoned player who's maybe a little closer to potentially being a rotation player on day one. And look, any second round pick is probably going to come with some G League time. It's going to come with some, you know, obviously growing pains hitting the NBA. There's a reason the players fall into the second round. But I do think for the Raptors in the spot they're in, they've already got Scotty Barnes squared away. You figure he's going to be the future of the franchise. You got Pascal Siakam. You've got a lot of guys who like the ball in their hands quite a bit. And it feels to me like the next sort of phase of building out this team is to try to find guys sort of on the margins who can fill those gaps in between star players, you know, guys who can project potentially as role player types. It doesn't come with the fun of drafting guys who maybe a 10% outcome is that they're an all-star one day, but it is a little bit more reliable. I'm curious, Sam, in terms of your general philosophy for teams kind of picking in this range, would you go closer to the, hey, just try to go for the upside pick? It's a second round pick anyway, see what you can get with it. Or are you more in the line of, hey, you know, if you have some stars already on hand, why not try to you know put some reliable seasoned role players around them? Yeah, that that's a really good question. I love talking about the different draft philosophies, and especially I love talking about the Raptors because they're one of my favorite development systems. I think they've drafted really well. Mm-hmm. And there was a quote I saw come out this week. I don't remember who, if it was straight from Masai or if it was someone else in the front office, but basically. Uh, or maybe it was just kind of uh, insinuating based on how they drafted in the past. But basically the quote was, uh, we want guys with a defensive mindset who are versatile and maybe know how to shoot, but kind of insinuating (laughs) that if there's a hole or two we can plug, but they have the rest of the tools, those are the guys we're looking for in the second round. Mm -hmm. And I don't have just one straight philosophy for second round picks, but if I had to define mine, I think the way that quote was stated was very close to mine, which is if I can find a guy that has the physical profile and has the makeup to be a legit NBA rotation player, but just has one or two holes in his game that I think I can fix, Mm -hmm. then that's the guy I'm looking for. And so a lot of the guys that you sent me on the list to talk about today meet that definition. Uh, most of the, these guys are going to be wings. They're going to be between 6'5 and 6'9 that can guard multiple positions because, you know, I like to talk about NBA and development as there's only so many minutes to go around. Right. And if you can only guard one position, if you can only play center or play point guard, there's only one spot for you. There's probably only two of those guys on the entire roster. It's just harder to find a route to development. But in the modern NBA, as the Raptors fans know, three or four wings can get out there and play at one time. If you can guard multiple positions, look, we can teach you how to shoot. That's one thing you can learn through reps. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to talk about some of these guys because I think a lot of these guys kind of fit that mold of 
if they learn how to shoot, if they figure out one or two things offensively, I can see a versatile defender who just makes sense in the modern NBA. And if they make it, like I'd be excited to have this guy as a part of my core moving forward. Yeah, the Raptors certainly have a type. Uh, that uh, that quote is yeah. from Bobby Webster, actually, the GM of the Raptors, okay. uh, kind of detailing what the draft philosophy might be for the team going into tomorrow. And it does check out with basically everything that they've said and done over the last couple of seasons. If you can defend, you're going to get a shot. And if you can do stuff on offense, then, hey, that's a bonus. And, you know, that's... It's typically not the way, though, that you get into the Raptors' rotation as being offense first, right? If you're just offense with no defense, Nick Nurse is probably going to send you aside and ask for someone who can, you know, guard a couple positions, you know, execute a switch, can, you know, do the whole, you know, fly out to the corners and recover type thing the Raptors like to do a whole lot. So another sort of interesting question about the Raptors going into this draft. I got a question yesterday on my podcast about whether the Raptors should look to trade into the first round, which was interesting considering they've already traded out of the first round in the Thaddeus Young deal where they dropped from the 20th pick that the Spurs have this year down to number 33, which I believe is the Pistons second round pick uh, originally. Um, And I guess it got me thinking, like, is there a world, Sam, do you think where the Raptors regret trading back those 13 spots? Obviously you get your pick of all the dudes in that sort of morass of players we talked with your your co-host or your your co-worker on Lockton NBA big board Raphael Barlow a couple weeks ago and he said like between 15 and 35 or 40 it's very fluid in this draft do you mm-hmm. think there's a chance the Raptors kind of just have a gem fall to them at 33 or do you think they could regret it maybe kind of our sort of slim pickings at 33 based on that sort of group of guys and where they are projected to go right now Yeah, so I think I'm in a similar boat to what Raphael said is I think it's pretty fluid. I think it's pretty flat. And I think the draft will drop off quite a bit after like 40 or so. Mm -hmm. But I trust the Raptors to find someone there. Now, if there's a guy they really like and want to target and move up a few spots, then that's totally fine. But I've actually talked about I think the first 10 picks of the second round is a spot where I would want to be picking in this year's draft. And like, I'd even try to buy like a pick in there if I didn't have one. I just Mm -hmm. think, you know, like you said, like Raphael said, between 20 and 40, like it's kind of your preference. I have the beholder thing. And I think there's going to be guys there at 33 that, and, and, you know, you can go two different ways if you want to go for more of the experienced player. But I think, there are some younger players that underperformed last year mm-hmm. that I'd be really excited to take a shot on there at 33. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about moving up again, unless there's one guy that they've really liked that they really want to target. I think they're picking in a really nice spot there at the top of the second round. Absolutely. You see guys fall all the time, right? Like I remember I was a huge Xavier Tillman head a couple of years ago and seeing him slide past the Raptors to 33 Made me very sad. Uh, you know, Herb Jones kind of in that range, too. We're going to get to some specific names in this year's draft, not recent second-round picks. In the next segment here, we're going to talk about some names, including a couple Canadians, with Caleb Houston being a guy that I kind of have my eye on is a pretty interesting potential fit. We'll get to that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest information and sports developments and league reviews and injury reports and everything you might need – 
for the Stanley Cup playoffs, which are still going on. You got Major League Baseball going strong and the NBA draft. Maybe you want to put a little scratch down on a certain player going at a certain spot. That's a fun way to liven up draft night, especially for Raptors fans who, yes, there's the 33rd overall pick, but you're going to kind of be waiting around for a long time for that pick to come up. Have some fun. Go to betonline.net and check out their odds and see if you can make the informed wager, which is what they're all about trying to get you to do. Remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. I believe there's another horse race coming up soon, the Belmont, the Preakness. I don't know how the horse races go, but either way, they do at betonline.net. Head to your website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Betonline.net is where the game starts. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And we trudge forward here. Now going to talk about some hard names at 33. Again, it's really difficult. We talked probably about like 10 different guys with Raphael a couple weeks ago. We'll talk probably about five or six different guys today, and we still won't cover all of the ground. And odds are they'll probably pick someone we have not talked about (laughs) at all on the podcast because that's the way it goes. Uh, But let's begin with Caleb Houston, Sam, from Michigan, uh, six foot eight, played on the same high school team, if I'm not mistaken, as Scotty Barnes, that loaded Montverde team, uh, which is is kind of like uh kind of like an all-time historically great high school team that is probably going to be talked about for ages especially as last year's draft class continues to uh be very very good so caleb houston goes to michigan last year averages 10 10 points a game shoots 38 percent from the field 36 percent from deep um wasn't terribly efficient didn't have crazy box score stats or anything like that but it's always tough in college to kind of decipher, you know, what role, what those like the style of play and all that stuff have to do for these guys' stats. So Caleb Houston, he kind of seems to check some of the boxes the Raptors like to go for long, potentially can actually knock down a shot, which again is a bonus in the eyes of Bobby Webster. Um, thoughts on Caleb Houston as a potential fit with the Raptors and just as a prospect in general? Yeah, you hit on the background. A few things I would add, really big wing, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, uh, played for the Canada under 19 FIBA team last year. So the pitch with him is you're thinking big wing that can dribble, pass, and shoot. Like he's Mm. a solid playmaker. Uh, He's been able to shoot it, but the percentages haven't really been there. Shot only 19% at FIBA last year. And then, like you said, 35 and a half from three, 78% free throw line last year. The thing that I'll add on him is even though he's six foot nine, the thing that strikes you watching him is he plays more like a six foot five guy. Uh, just he's not athletic. He right. he doesn't really explode. His first step is slow, not a leaper. 
And so when you're looking at the physical profile, the size is really good. And the, the passing vision at that size is nice. And the ability to shoot over the top, but he's not, he's not a leaper. He's not very quick. And he's not a guy that's created his own shot too much, especially last year at Michigan. And so, you know, the athletic indicators I'll look at are normally block and steal rate and then dunks, which is kind of how you get a feel just quickly for a guy's functional athleticism. Mm -hmm. And he played 80% of the minutes last year at Michigan. And at six foot nine had just two dunks all season Hmm. and very low block and steal rates for a guy his size. And so like, I think to make it, he's really going to have to shoot it uh, at a high level because defensively, athletically doesn't quite meet that profile. If the shooting comes along, then you could see him maybe utilize that to attack off the bounce. And then the passing becomes more valuable at that size. But right now, like so many prospects, a lot's going to come down to just how often that jump shot goes in. Yeah, that's all very well put. And, you know, kind of maybe makes me pause as to whether or not he would be some of the Raptors consider because of the athletic deficiencies there. They seem to like their dudes who uh, grade out pretty well. In those tests, uh, another guy who maybe kind of fits the bill of big, strong wing who does a lot of good things, but maybe the sh shot's going to be kind of the difference maker here. Uh, Justin Lewis out of Marquette, who I know in my mentions has been like one of the most brought up players on different podcasts, different mailbags I've done. He seems like someone a lot of people really have their eye on. Justin Lewis, what's the read on him? Because frankly, I'll be totally honest, I know nothing about this man. I just know lots of people seem to like him. <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of like a draft Twitter kind of darling. For some reason, his name never really caught hold in the mainstream too much. I guess Marquette didn't really make a run in the tournament. Not a team that someone's watching all that often. But uh, two-year guy at Marquette, uh, the measurements on him, pretty similar. Six, seven and a half, seven, two and a half wingspan. So another really big wing. Uh, he's a little bit thicker. Than a couple of the other guys, including Houston, that we wanted to talk about today. So I view him kind of more as like a four, but hopefully with him, you can switch across multiple positions and a, a more productive player than some of the other guys, including Houston. We're going to talk about Josh Minot as well. Um, had a really good sophomore season. I'd say he's above average athletically, not like a lightning quick first step, not a great leaper, uh, but he's better than Houston and kind of just like did everything pretty well and has good strength for a wing. The question more with him is like, what is his one skill that's really outstanding apart right. from like the physical tools? And, but no, I think if you're taking him at 33, I think that makes sense because, you know, when you talk about a guy, that doesn't have one standout skill. Like if you're 6'3 or 6'4, that's not great. But if you're 6'8 with a 7'3 wingspan and you kind of do a lot of things pretty well, then that's a base that that's really kind of intriguing to build off of. Yeah, certainly. I um, So let's do a little game here. We'll just kind of go, it'll be like a championship belt of prospects. We got Caleb Houston. He starts, he sets the bar. If you're the mm -hmm. Raptors, would you rather, if they're both available, take Justin Lewis or Caleb Houston? Justin Lewis for me. All right, perfect. So Justin Lewis is the new bar to set. Let's go to the yep. next guy, uh, a G League guy, Jaden Hardy, who 
I think was projected to go way higher in the draft earlier about a year ago. You know, you saw him sort of in the top 10 pretty frequently and is now sort of in that soft, fuzzy middle between 20 and 40, kind of going anywhere in that range in various mocks you look at. Played in the G League for the Ignite last season, 17.7 points a game. He shot just 27% from three and 35% from the floor, uh, 88% from the line, though, which is not terribly discouraging, certainly. 4.6 boards, 3.2 assists, 1.3 steals. Uh, and, you know, the, the Ignite guys, I think it's kind of been established. It's a little bit difficult to evaluate these dudes. Uh, what's the read on Jaden Hardy? Is there a reason why to you that he's dropped so much in terms of overall stock? Is there a chance he's there at 33? And is he the type of guy that you think the Raptors might be interested in scooping up? Yeah, so coming into the season, I believe ESPN actually had him number two. Wow. I had him top 10. Like, he was a guy that was very much looked at as a lottery prospect, um, but just the inefficiency uh, in the G League. I had a chance to actually interview his coach, Jason Hart. Um, if you, uh, if your listeners listen to the Locked on NBA Big Board, you might have heard that interview. Uh, but he, of course, he's his coach. He's still a believer. He comps him to a guy like CJ McCollum. Okay. And what both I noted and his coach noted is, it started out pretty rough, but the efficiency did pick up as the season went along. And something that he did improve on is the playmaking, especially out of pick and roll, which if he can score and playmake, then that's awesome. And um, just the pedigree as a high school player, as a scorer, I do believe in the shot, even though the percentages weren't that great. 88% from the free throw line is awesome. And... He definitely has the ability to shoot from deep, even out beyond behind the NBA three-point line. And so he's not the physical profile of these other guys. He's more of like a 6'3-ish combo guard. Yeah. But his offensive ceiling is way, way higher than the other guys we're going to talk about here. Yeah, and I think that's why he's potentially interesting to me for a Raptors team that like kind of just needs guys who can get downhill. And I know they would prefer those guys to be six nine and you know have dribbling chops, but it's not always easy to get that. And that's why Hardy kind of intrigues me a little bit to kind of address one micro area of need with the team. I, I'm really fascinated by the G League Ignite, Sam. Can can you kind of detail for me like what do you have to sort of consider when you're evaluating a guy? He only played 12 games down there, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 12 games yeah. played. So it's like a very small sample. And obviously, like, he's playing under a different circumstance than guys in college. He's playing with other pros who are also fighting for their jobs and not just guys who are there on scholarships playing and trying to get to the pros or whatever. Uh, you know, there's obviously he's up against pro bodies and adults and guys who have been around. How do you have to sort of contextualize what a guy does at the Ignite and how does it sort of translate and compare to what you see from the NCAA guys? Yeah, it's a really nuanced conversation and I'm really interested to see where the G League Ignite goes, especially with the NIL deals now because, you know, right. one of the bigger pitches before was come to the G League, you get paid, you're playing for basically an NBA coach with veterans guys like amir johnson that have been around the block like a mm -hmm. lot of guys that can help mentor you that can talk to you about the nba game and then you get to play against pros but you live the lifestyle of a pro where they do have you take some classes but you'll learn more about the prof professional lifestyle while getting paid but now guys can go to college and get paid as well so that kind of takes that benefit off the table it's an interesting discussion and the sample size 
is like even smaller and like it's difficult because for the G League Ignite a lot of the guys come in and they're they're like the focus of the team and they're going against other basically G League to borderline NBA players and mm-hmm. so like while the floor is more spread it's more of the NBA game they are playing against better competition obviously than in college mm-hmm. but they're also a lot of times the focal point of the offenses and so, like, there's a lot of different ways you can break it down. Like, you just kind of do have to get into the film and break down everyone individually. And we've seen certain guys go there and their stock really rise. Dyson Daniels this year, a guy I right. really liked coming into the season. But even I didn't have him as a lock to go top 10. Now, I think he is a lock to go top 10. But then we've seen Jaden Hardy kind of plummet and, like, now I think he could be really good value. He did receive a late invite to the green room. Now I right. think the NBA is kind of incentivized to do that because it's the NBA G League program. They want to make those guys look good. So that's kind of included in there. But I, I would say there is a chance Hardy drops into the second round. If so, like I would really be trying to 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 pick a guy like him up early second round. It's just pretty rare, even with the warts, even with the inefficiency, to find a guy with that pedigree and that offensive upside in the second round. That's a guy I'd be willing to gamble on. That's a really well-made point. So let's continue the title championship belts of potential Raptors prospects from this very small pool. Justin Lewis holds the title right now. If Mm -hmm. it's Jaden Hardy, Justin Lewis, Caleb Houston, all these guys are available at 33. Who are you taking for the Raptors? Yeah, so I would definitely go Hardy 1, Lewis 2, Houston 3 so far for the guys we've hit. Perfect. We continue on in just a sec. We're going to talk about another Canadian and Andrew Nemhard. We're going to talk about some interesting sort of high upside dudes, including a fellow out of Memphis, who I know a lot of Raptors fans are very, very intrigued by as well. We will get to that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are fantastic. We love Built Bar. And guess what? One of their all-time great flavors is coming back in puff form. It's the Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar. Well, guess what? Your friends at Built Bar have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puff treatment as well. Of course, their marshmallow puffs are delicious. They're light, they're airy, and they're good for you. They're made with collagen protein, which absorbs more efficiently into your body and provides tons of health benefits. You can eat something that tastes good and that is good for you. And the best part about Built Puffs is, of course, they taste fantastic. You can also enjoy them guilt-free because they're good for you. You're not going to get overdone with sugar or anything like that. It's all very manageable, all very reasonable. The fraction of the sugar and the carbs you're going to get from a typical candy bar. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order and get on the coconut brownie puff chunk coconut brownie chunk puff train i can't say it very well but you that's because uh, all i'm thinking about is eating them and they're probably very very delicious i can't wait to get my hands on some go get your hands on some as well built.com with the promo code locked 15 wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. 
All right, we rounded out here a final segment on today's show with Sam Ferris from Locked On NBA Big Board and at Draft Dummies on Twitter. A couple more names to throw at you, Sam. Let's go Andrew Nemhard, of course, from the very good Gonzaga team this past year. Uh, transferred, I believe, from Florida before taking up with the Zags. He's another guy lots of people seem intrigued by, a sort of longer point guard at, you know, at 6'3", 6'4", kind of in that range. Uh, he seems like a lot of folks... But like someone, a lot of the folks who follow the Raptors and like Canadian passports would like to see taken by the Raptors at 33. What's your read on Nemhard? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm from Spokane, so I've watched a lot of Gonzaga basketball, a team I've always followed. So I've seen him probably more than anybody, even on this list, though mm-hmm. certainly do my homework on all these guys. But with him, really good size at the guard position, probably six foot four point guard. I will say that I think he probably has the lowest ceiling out of these guys because we've seen him the most in college. We kind of know who he is. He's going to be a backup point guard if he sticks in the NBA. Not a very good athlete for his size in terms of run, jump, athleticism, but very, very good running the pick and roll. That's what they did a ton at Gonzaga. The ball was in his hands. Just a very good decision maker with solid size at the point guard position that can kind of come in, run the show for, you know, 12 minutes as the backup point guard. I think he could probably do that right away if you want him to. Mm -hmm. And so really good passer with size that just knows how to run an offense. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good, but also gives me pause considering what the exact bill of goods was on Malachi Flynn when he was drafted. And this is just not a team that runs a lot of point uh, pick and roll yeah. with their point guards, right? It's the team that f- flows through their their big wings, and Fred Van Vliet obviously has the ball a lot too, but they typically want to see like Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam run as the backup point guard. So I kind of wonder if bringing in Nemhard would kind of just be like more Malachi Flynn, which I don't know if a lot of Raptors fans are itching to see, or Raptors fans just want to see Malachi Flynn get you know an, ex- an extended shot at that as well. Uh, let's go to a guy who seems like a bit of a mystery man in this draft in that he doesn't really have the numbers or the pedigree, but he just kind of seems like a guy who just jumps out of the gym and has athleticism just to burn. And that's Josh Minot with the Memphis Tigers, a guy who a lot of Raptors fans are kind of pinpointing as that's the guy we can fix, baby. That's the guy we can turn into something just because the tools are there. Put him in the development pipeline, give him a couple years with the G League, and baby, you're looking at something there. Uh, Are Raptors fans crazy to be thinking that Josh Minot has this kind of upside in college, just averaged uh, this past season in his only year at school, just, uh, what are we doing here? 6.6 points, less than an assist and a steal and a block a game, although almost a steal and a block a game, I should say, in 14.6 minutes. So that certainly pops off the screen, uh, you know, four boards or so a game as well. What is the read on Josh Minot? Is he someone who you think can be molded into something more? Or is he one of these sort of like athlete types who maybe isn't all that good at basketball itself? No, I think he is good at basketball, but... You know, we started the show saying kind of what's your archetype? And I talked about pick a guy with the physical profile that has certain skills that just has one hole in his game. And if you figure it out, then you're excited to have him as part of your core. To me, that's kind of like the definition of Josh Minot. And so he's very similar size to Caleb Houston, but that's where the comparison ends because right. Like, it's weird. He only played 37% of the team's minutes last year. So, like, he didn't even play that much. But even in that time, 
25 dunks, and then the block and steal rates were like crazy high. So what I call him is basically like an event creator. He's everywhere. He's the most Raptors-y guy to me out of this group. <laughs> and I say that in in a good way. And I would also add, though, that for a guy that's kind of this event creator, that's this athlete that didn't play that much, he has better feel than most guys of that archetype as well, I would add. Uh, one other note, though, is though he was a freshman last year, he is a bit older. He's 20 and a half right now, so he'll be 21 next season. So a little bit older than your average freshman. And yeah, the shooting is the question mark. And it's a very big question mark right now. Only made two threes last year. So you just have to hope that you can teach him and he can develop the shot over the next like two years. And mm. if that happens, then you've got a legit NBA rotation player. So I forgot to ask the question with Nemhard, so we'll just lump Nemhard and Minot in. Uh, right now we have, of the dudes we've talked about, Jaden Hardy is your top choice. Where would Nemhard, uh, I'm, I'm guessing based on the way we talked about it, Nemhard's below Hardy, but where yeah. does Minot slot in as like an ideal Raptors pick, assuming all these guys are sitting there at 33, which might not be mathematically possible, but it's podcast magic, baby. Yeah. <laughs> So Hardy, definitely number one. Nemhard definitely would be last of the guys we've mentioned because of the fit, because of the lower ceiling like we talked about. So I'd go Hardy one, Minot two, Lewis three, Houston four, Nemhard five of the guys we've hit on. That is, uh, I think, a pretty good sounding list. Let's go. I have one last guy I gave you a name to, and then I'll have you throw a name at me, maybe someone we haven't talked about who maybe I should have on my radar at the end. I'll put you on the spot. But Patrick Baldwin Jr. is another guy here who uh, sort of, I think, similar to Hardy, based on what I've read, had a bit of a higher pedigree about a year ago and has kind of fallen off. Um, Sam Vecini wrote a pretty scathing write-up of his lack of athleticism and the way that he just doesn't really have the, the physical tools, maybe, to match his very good shooting. Uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., what's the story on him, and is he at all an option, do you think, for the Raptors if he falls to 33? I would definitely have him as an option. I'll just go ahead and kind of uh, give my takeaway here. He'd yeah. be, so Hardy 1A, PBJ, I call him Pat Baldwin, <laughs> would be 1B. So he'd mm -hmm. definitely be one of the top two options, again, because of uh, the pedigree with him, with the shooting at that size. And so Sam Vecini made a great point that, like athletically, it was not good at the combine. One of the lowest vertical leap scores ever. Mm -hmm. But I think that he hasn't gotten enough pub for the positive side of his combine showing, which is just how huge he is. And so, um, he, so his standing reach, which is like important because that's basically how big, how much room a guy, how much space a guy takes up. So sure. his standing reach is the same as NBA centers like Kai Jones, Kevon Looney, uh, Jackson Hayes. So like we think of him as like this wing, but he's legit the size of an NBA center. He's huge. And mm -hmm. so like, yes, he's not a good athlete per se, but he's huge. And he like the percentages haven't been there. They were bad last year. So I'll give you one other stat on him is he's actually going to end up being the second player to be drafted after posting a season in which he posted a box plus minus below zero last year. And Ooh. the other guy was Zaire Williams. So Zaire Williams ended up going number 10 to the Grizzlies last year. 
And like in a redraft, I think he'd still go that high. He kind mm-hmm. of exceeded my expectations last year. So it's again, like a lot of the through line with a lot of these prospects is how much do you trust the small sample size in college versus the pedigree beforehand? And like, if he's in the second round at that size, the pedigree, I buy the shot at that size. And so like, I'd be willing to take a swing on a guy like that. I do think he has a pretty massive draft range. Like a lot of these guys do. Wouldn't be surprised if he goes 25. Wouldn't be surprised if he's there at like 45 either. Right. And and if I'm not mistaken, he was on like a pretty miserable college team, right? Like one of these situations. Yeah. Milwaukee. He went to play for his dad, which was a much scrutinized decision. Could have gone anywhere. And the team was awful. One of the worst teams in college basketball last year. Then he got injured. And I do applaud him for coming back and playing after his injury but he played kind of like even worse after that point. So he had like a few good games to start the year. He had one game against Robert Morris where he went off and made like seven threes. And so like he had one good game and kind of was just not great the rest of the season. But like, again, in the second round, I'm willing to bank on the pedigree, the shot making at that size. Like if you can find that upside at 33, I'd be happy to make that call. Like on my personal board, I still have him top 25. So like Mm -hmm. that'd be good value early in the second round. And he and Hardy, like those are the kinds of guys that I would be trying to target. Color me very, very intrigued by PBJ. Also a a guy who uh, would fit wonderfully with all of the PBJ, like Smucker's GIF commercials, all the Raptors do between Gary Trent Jr. and Siakam and Scotty Barnes. It's a match made in heaven. Uh, All right, we're going to get you out of here soon, quick Sam, but I do just want to pick your brain. We haven't talked about everybody here, obviously. I'm curious if there's one guy maybe we haven't talked about who Raptors fans should be crossing their fingers hoping they fall to 33. I'll let you know, Raphael Barlow said Ishmael Kamagate was the guy. So if you have anyone except for Kamagate, please fire away. Sweet. I'll give you two quick ones. One is a freshman, one more experience. So the freshman, Bryce McGowan's out of Nebraska, a guy that I'm higher on, I think has legit scoring upside. And there's a chance he could drop into the second round, but 6'6", scoring two guard that gets to the free throw line a ton and just has that scoring instinct. I have him top 20, so I'd be stoked to get him at 33. And then my more experienced guy would be Christian Brown out of Kansas. He played three years at Kansas, but just has great feel, does everything well, and is a very good athlete. He just can play in space and play within the feel of a basketball game, unlike a lot of other prospects. So he's ready to come in play from day one if you're looking at that kind of a guy that's six six on the wing and so that would be kind of my more upside pick on the younger guy in Bryce McGowan's versus the more experienced guy in Christian Brown I have both of them as top 25 prospects on my board Sam this is fantastic man thank you so much giving us a lot to think about here and lots of guys to dream on and look I think it seems pretty clear the rappers are gonna get someone interesting at 33 you never know if they're going to pan out it's the second round after all but they're in a pretty good spot and sam really appreciate you taking the time in what is surely your busiest week of the year to have a chat where can people check out all of your wonderful work yeah you can follow me at draft dummies i'm doing draft stuff and then i follow the rookies as well year round posting clips a lot of stats my thoughts stuff i'm hearing and then link to to work that we're doing but you can Uh, subscribe to the NBA Big Board podcast. Uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners already do, but 
If you want to hear some of the stuff post-draft, I'll be there at Summer League and then following the rookies throughout next year. Loved watching Scotty Barnes last year. Excited <laughs> to kind of do a lot of the same things next year as well as prepare for next year's draft. But of course, we're going to do a ton of breakdowns after the draft happens. And so go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast and follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. No better way to pander to a Raptors audience than to say, I loved watching Scotty Barnes. I did a bunch of content following him last year. Uh, everyone go check that out immediately. Everyone go subscribe to Locked on NBA Big Board. And thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We'll be back again tomorrow. Still not sure what we're going to do. We might just do sort of like a rumor roundup and a bit of an ideal draft day look through uh, tomorrow on the podcast for the Raptors. You'll have that to look forward to. And then on Friday, we will break down the draft and react to what has happened. If it lines up and one of the players the Raptors take is a member of a college team for which we have a locked on college podcast, I'll try to get the host of said podcast on the show on Friday. Uh, otherwise, we'll break down whoever the Raptors take at 33, whatever they end up doing or not doing with their trade assets and all that stuff tomorrow, that'll be broken down on Friday. So thank you for tuning in and making us your first listen. Go make your second locked an nba big board baby go check it out the draft is very soon they're doing wonderful work over there so go subscribe and also be sure to check out our ultimate mock draft as well which is just an absolute killer of a piece of content it's very 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 good and well produced so go check that out as well we'll talk to you again thursday have a good good one everybody bye-bye Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.